decided not to work today. Uh, you know, you know, like outlets do. Sometimes. You, you know, that super common thing that happens in every normal house, right? It, it worked for uh, plugging my phone charger into it, but whenever I plugged my laptop charger into it, oh, no, 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 no. Well, that's weird. That sounds like a laptop problem. Uh, no, because whenever I plugged it into the outlet on the other wall, totally fine. <laughs> that is that is weird. Did you figure out what it was, or are you in a different place? Oh, I'm I'm in the same place. I just have my laptop charger, instead of going... Uh, into my power strip and into the wall, or just into the wall, the outlet that I was using. Mm-hmm. I just have it going into an extension cord into another outlet, and it's <laughs> totally fine, you know, because that's a that's a totally normal thing to expect out of a rental property. We had in our rental property in Erie an outlet stop working, and I can't remember where it was, but it turned out it was maybe it was in the kitchen. I don't remember where it was, but the solution was that. Something had tripped. Oh, something had tripped the bathroom. Like we had a half bath downstairs in the basement that we never uh-huh. used, and something had tripped that. And so when he reset that, the outlet worked again. So for some reason, this outlet downstairs, which was like right underneath <laughs> the outlet that was broken, but it still doesn't make any sense why that fuse trips the one in the kitchen or whatever it was that wasn't working. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and somehow well, the electrician was able to discern that. I was like, I never in a million years would have would have found that. What I'm wondering though is like each outlet isn't going to have its own breaker. Yeah, oh, so damn. So these old houses too are probably the same thing, you know, some electricians like, "Ah, eh, that goes there and that goes there. We're done. Next one." My guess. So, should we get going? Might as well. I don't know how how this record is going to go. <laughs> All right, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about The Strong Box, Season 9, Episode 14. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, The Cartoon? The only bit of homework we had was Elaine is explaining to Jerry that she went to, she works for The New Yorker now. She went out to lunch with the cartoon editor she was talking to, and he had some interesting gossip about James Thurber. And that's when Jerry says, nodding off. And Ted and I had no idea who that was, so he is James Grover Thurber, or he was. He passed in 1961 at the age of 66, so another (laughs) super timely, although I guess what it comes down to, so he was an American cartoonist, author, humorist, journalist, playwright, celebrated wit. I need a citation needed. Uh, I guess he was a celebrated wit, but that seems like editorializing in a Wikipedia entry, you know? It's like, well, (laughs) all right, I suppose he was, I suppose he was celebrated, but. Yeah, that, uh, that seems like uh, something you write yourself yeah. or one of your heirs <laughs> in your will writes on your Wikipedia page. Oh, speaking of Wikipedia, yeah, the total derailment, I am on the Wikipedia for my new station. Way to go. I've never been listed on a Wikipedia page <laughs> for, for a station. This is, this is news. A- and I tried asking him, like, do we know who edits our Wikipedia? And yeah. no one could give me an answer. <laughs> Um, so yeah, he, he was published mainly in the New Yorker and collected uh, in numerous books known for his sh- uh, cartoons and short stories. His works have frequently been adapted into film, including the one we're probably most f- familiar with the secret life of Walter Mitty, which was of course adapted in 1947 with Danny Kay, but people may be more familiar with the t- 2013 secret life of Walter Mitty starring Ben Stiller. Did you see that? Did you ever, did you catch that one? Uh, I've never seen it. Yeah. No. It was good. I don't know. Um, when Thurber, when Thurber was seven years old, get this, this blew my mind. 
when Thurber was seven years old, he and one of his brothers were playing a game of William Tell. And I was like, how do you play William Tell? You use an arrow to shoot an apple off your friend, or in this case, your brother's head. <laughs> and so guess what happened when this seven-year-old and, I don't know, his older brother, I'm guessing, so let's say nine or ten-year-old, were playing a game of William Tell while James was hitting the eye with an arrow. Oh, no. He lost oh, no. that eye. Frankly, he's got to be lucky that's all that happened. We are <laughs> shooting an arrow at someone's brain. Uh, the injury later caused him to become almost entirely blind. He was unable to participate in sports and other activities in his childhood. But uh, so a lot of people attribute that to developing this very creative mind that he had, which he used to express himself in writing and cartoon. So I'm guessing it wasn't a, you know, he lost one eye. So and then I guess the other eye went for some reason. I don't know, you know, why, but um, he was able to see like it'd be weird, a blind cartoonist like um, but so he was able to see for a good deal of his life. But he did draw, I think, very big cartoons um for that matter and then they had to be like scaled down to actually go into the magazine yeah does that have to do with like depth perception i think just you know he couldn't see small you know he couldn't see small things you know what i mean so he okay. just had to draw yeah. like big canvas size things and then they'd scale them <laughs> down like he just didn't have the 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 sight to be able to do the detail on on the stuff so Ima- imagine drawing ziggy on a canvas <laughs> and they're like hmm how do we get this in the newspaper <laughs> So what would be some James Thurber gossip? Well, he married Althea Adams in 1922, although the marriage he later wrote to a friend devolved into a relationship charming, fine, and hurting. The marriage ended in divorce in May of 1935, and he remarried the next month in June of 1935. Holy shit. Wow, okay. There's there's got to be some gossip behind that. Um, (laughs) here's, um, Here's a weird thing about uh, James Thurber, after three years of renting a home with, uh, like, to go hang out with other artists on Martha's Vineyard, when that was becoming like a very literary place to hang out, uh, he finally bought a home there and he called it the Great Good Place. Uh, there's that celebrated wit, uh, real, <laughs> just super <laughs> creative, the Great <laughs> Good Place. What are you wow. going to call your house? I bet <laughs> something really evocative and, oh, it's it's great and good. The Great Good Place. That's it. Oh. <laughs> Bye, George. We've got it. <laughs> James Thurber, you've done it again. And uh, everybody claps. Andy Warhol claps in the room. Uh, I don't know if he was. Ha- I don't think he was hanging out with Andy Warhol. This was like 1935 <laughs> or something. Um, Adolf Hitler I was just claps think- in the room. <laughs> yeah, Adolf Hitler and Albert Einstein and Steve Buscemi. And they all stood up and clapped. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thurber's- so here's some more possible gossip fodder. Thurber's behavior became erratic and unpredictable in his last year of life at a party hosted by Noel Coward. There you go. There's a there's a literati name I was looking for. It was right in front of me. Uh, Thurber was taken back to his uh, room at the Algonquin Hotel at six in the morning and stricken with a blood clot in the brain on October 4th. And he died a few weeks later. 1961. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, erratic behavior, interesting divorce and remarriage. So there's some gossip. There's some gossip possibility there. Gossibility. <laughs> Gossibilities. <laughs> Gossibilities. The so, gossibilities are endless. With James Thurber, they are. The great good place. Um, it's not just the good place. It's the great good place. The episode. So here's some trivia and tidbits. The episode was inspired by Kathy Griffin's ridiculing Jerry Seinfeld during a stand-up comedy performance on HBO. It was actually her first half-hour special. Uh, so that's something that's kind of ripped from real life and put into the episode. Um, 
And so back back in the day, HBO used to do not the comedy hour. It was like a half hour, the co- HBO comedy half hour. So you'd <laughs> only get a half hour at first. Um, but they put out a ton of them, kind of like, you know, I think probably a lot of them ended up on Comedy Central after that. Maybe not. Um, but that same format was definitely followed. So uh, th- it's on YouTube, by the way, her first half hour special at about two minutes in. So she opens with this. And it is a pretty good story, I got to say. As someone who's not a Kathy Griffin fan, she she tells it really well in this, what the whole thing was. But so basically she states that he was rude to her during her first appearance on the sitcom in the episode The Doll. It's kind of too much to go into, but she was kind of asking for an autograph and Jerry was working a short day. And anyway, it's it's one of those things where that she knew was like almost entirely in her head and he didn't know that they were in a feud or something. And she's like thinking about it all day and and it didn't even matter to him, that kind of thing. Uh, Seinfeld was so amused by the half hour special that he wrote her a funny letter congratulating her for it. It's reprinted in her memoir, Official Book Club Selection. And he put the clip of her routine, so like that three or four minute bit, as well as a clip of her being interviewed about the incident by Conan O'Brien, which is also on YouTube, about four minutes into that is when they start talking about Jerry. Um, he, and he put that on a warm-up video that was shown to audiences at Seinfeld Tapings, and he had it written into the series here. Specifically, by the way, another thing ripped from the real life, fuck you, Jerry Seinfeld. She does say that in her half-hour special does she really yeah, yeah wow yeah but it's but it's in the context of the story like without, without ruining too much of it if, you, if you're gonna go check it out, i'll tweet both of those videos out with timestamps so you don't have to watch any more kathy griffin than you want to but uh, <laughs> she's like at first she's like you know what? he's a busy guy he's the star of his own show blah 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 but pretty soon she gets to the point where she's like where she really starts analyzing blowing her off and he's like she's like you know what fuck you jerry seinfeld um <laughs> so that's kind of the context of it griffin said that given this was the, one of the final 10 episodes of seinfeld i felt like it was part of history making television and uh it, it probably was so yeah so there's some background on where the and it's kind of cool that he brought her back to play the same person that she played in the doll for all of this but the letter is really hilarious because it also is like dear kathy griffin i'm I'm told you guessed it on my number one show it's it's really that like jerry seinfeld pompous egotistical sort of writing that is probably rooted in the truth but is like turned up to 11 it's it's really a funny letter um so i recommend watching those videos again i'll try to remember to tweet them out when i'm when i'm editing this or something uh, and I'll schedule them so they come out at the right time. The episode's writer, Bruce Kaplan, had himself contributed many cartoons to The New Yorker and drew upon some of his own experiences for that part of the plot. Kaplan said of the cartoon subplot, to me, the most interesting part of the story was the idea of not understanding a cartoon. Why does someone else understand it and I don't? Just because I'm a New Yorker cartoonist, the story actually wasn't as personal as it may appear. So it's more <laughs> of that, like, what would happen in this situation as opposed to, like, what sounds like maybe, a you know, kind of a boring job as a cartoonist. <laughs> or at least he was kind of talking about it that way. Uh, filming ran well over the allotted time for the episode, clocking in at 32 minutes. So they had to drop like 10 or you know 10 or 11 minutes to get this thing under, depending on what the commercial load was like in the late 90s. And during Seinfeld, it probably was in the 18-minute, or not 18-minute, but 8-minute area. So they did have to cut some stuff. And during, filmers, the writer, during filming, the writers came up with a new closing line for a scene where Elaine argues with a co-worker who says he understands the email cartoon. Supposedly, it got a big laugh from the studio audience, but... The article that might contain that line is behind a paywall, and I I ran out of free <laughs> articles on whatever website this was. Uh, oh, so damn. yeah, I know. I think it might have been. It was either the, I think it was the New York Times. I don't remember, but yeah. So I have no idea what that hilarious line was that got cut. 
I'm, I'm sure it definitely exists in like some other pretty much verbatim article on some other website if you just like Google the title of that article. This would be a great time to write a clickbaity slideshow article like like the the th- <laughs> the, the lines edited out of Seinfeld, the lines that even Jerry thought didn't belong on TV or something like that. And then it's boring stuff that was cut because it was boring, you know? And and uh, Oh my God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you already clicked through the slideshow, sucker. But the thumbnail has to be like, uh, what's the most controversial image in in Seinfeld? It's probably got to be... Um, I mean, the Puerto Rican uh, Day Parade that, you know, that mm, actually did yeah. get pulled from TV for a while. Um, what, okay, since we haven't talked about it yet, what happens there? Craver, like, waves around a burning Puerto Rican flag? Is that it? Yes, yeah, he, it, it accidentally, okay. yeah, I don't want to ruin too much. But yeah, the Puerto Rican okay. flag ends up burning, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, that, that's just got to be the thumbnail of the article. Yeah, and yeah. And the, the title's got to be like, <laughs> the lines Jerry Seinfeld thought were too controversial, all caps, and wanted, all caps, pulled from Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. What you didn't oh, man. see, we, dude. We'd get all the fucking traffic. I know. Oh, we need man. to find a way to find a way to put that together. And oh yeah, and uh, the other cuts included most of the scenes of Kramer maintaining his vow of silence, which I think was probably there were probably funny scenes <laughs> in the writers' room, but we really only needed one, and that's of him yeah. getting in the cab and realizing he can't take yeah. a cab anymore. I mean, we we both know like the the rule of thumb for stuff like that is is uh is uh, the rule of thirds, mm-hmm. I guess. But I feel like three of those scenes with Kramer not saying anything would have been way too many. Yeah. I I appreciated just the one because it was it was great. Yeah, you know? it, it, it did it didn't overstep its its boundaries. Yeah, it reminded us of the storyline and it showed us the struggles he was going through without you know getting really into it with a montage or whatever. Uh, the order of last scenes. So here's another thing that was this that was cut. You know, in syndication they make a lot of edits. So if you are watching it, you know, maybe you caught this on Comedy Central and you're like, man, what the hell were those guys talking about? The cartoon is totally different at the end. Well, in the original, the epilogue has Jerry and George at Monk's and he's already run out of Janet's apartment. And George says, we must never, ever speak of this again. That scene in syndication has been cut. And the scene that has Janet and George in her apartment when he sees her with her hair cut is now the epilogue. And as we know, in the original, it appeared before the last scene in Jerry's apartment with Jerry, Elaine, and Kramer watching Sally's special on cable. So to break it down for you, because that was a very confusing paragraph for me, so I did a little diagram for myself. The original went... <laughs> here's how here's how Ted and I talked about it, because it's original on Netflix. It went George and Janet, Jerry, Elaine, and Kramer watching Sally, then Jerry and George at Monks. If you watch it in syndication, it might air like this. Jerry, Elaine, and Kramer watching Sally, George and Janet in the apartment. Janet has the hair. Roll credits. And what then the nothing. Fuck? Why would they do that? For more advertising, I think. That's my uh, guess. Yeah. Just to, okay. Just to fit Jeez. in another 30 second ad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you if you thought something was off, that's why. And on July 18th, 2012, the New Yorker paid tribute to this episode with their contest. So they do run a contest where you can they show you a cartoon and you write the caption. So contest oh. 342. <laughs> I was hoping it wasn't the other type of contest. <laughs> That would be that would be good. Uh, contest- New Yorker just does no nut November. <laughs> yeah, no nut New Yorker November. Oh no! <laughs> contest three. And- yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm interrupting our riff uh, pyramid. I no, no. Go ahead. I was just gonna say N N N Y N. So contest three forty two was a drawing of a pig at a complaint window. The winning caption was submitted by Sean Lynch of Brooklyn, New York, and printed in the next issue. 
And the winning caption, Ted, was, stop sending me spam. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm not sure how to react to that. Kind of a letdown. (laughs) That was the winner? Yeah, the winner of uh, of contest three forty two. Maybe all of their good winners had like you know maybe there's some sort of month long hiatus where you can't win again and just happen to fall during. The, I don't know. Or all all of the good ones had um something like what Kramer suggested is like the pig says my wife is a slut yeah or just something awful like that. And out of all the entries, stop sending me spam was the only like clean one, yeah, the only printable one. Yeah, I, I mean I don't even think. Spam as a punchline, meaning, you know, junk email was even that funny in 2012. Surely you would already been laughing about that for a long, the month that it deserved, right? <laughs> Stop sending me spam. I don't know. But so that's it. Oh, man. All right. Do we got any news or anything? Not that I saw. I don't think we do. Okay. Okay. Ah, well, if you've never listened to us before, we are not a research heavy show despite the last 24 ish minutes. Uh, that's pre any edit uh being exclusively research and and bullshit we like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework uh i've never seen these episodes before tim has never seen these episodes before in chronological order after being a lifelong fan for years if we miss anything if we egregiously skip over something please send us an email or send us a tweet it's at no hugging on twitter or no hugging no learning show at gmail.com both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. Um, If you like what you hear, you can give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts, and we will send you a holographic No Hucking, No Learning sticker free of charge while supplies last if you like us a little bit more than that. You can throw us a couple of bucks a month. We've got our Patreon. Uh, It is patreon.com slash no hugging. Again, link is in the description for that. Um, And for five bucks a month, we will get you uh, about like two, sometimes three movie reviews a month. We had our Halloween month just wrap up recently, and we have yet to record another one, but uh, we might end up doing that sometime this week. I don't know. We got to... Got to talk about that. Yeah, but, I, I don't know. Yeah, was, that, was there any response to whether we stick with Halloween or whether we do something new? I, I forgot to post it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's in the episode, so I was just wondering if anybody. It, it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no one, no one um, in, replied yeah. to it in the episode, yeah. but uh, I will, I will post it in the Patreon. But you know, time works differently after you make a big move. And I'm sure you can vouch for this <laughs> because I, I, it was definitely like Monday morning. And I told myself, I'm like, okay, I will post that on Patreon tomorrow. Mm. And the next time that popped into my brain was Friday (laughs) afternoon. And I'm like, oh, fuck. (laughs) I I don't know what happened in between those in between those thoughts. Yeah, a lot on your mind. Just 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 nothing. No thoughts. Only uh, only robot tech. (laughs) Just Just firing on automation. Exactly. (laughs) Just just going from one. Uh, nervous thought to another. <laughs> oh God! But yeah, um, if you if you support us on Patreon, uh, thank you. Um, we'll, we'll give you. A, I, I think we said we'll, like we'll give you a shout out, but I don't think we've ever given someone a Patreon shout out. So do you want me to pull up our Patreon and we can give our patrons a shout out? Sure. Or do you want me to you yeah. know, save that for later? All right. Let me let me see. If whatever I you're up, yeah. Whatever you're into. Okay. So I want to give shout outs to our patrons. We've got Megan, Cat, Kathleen, Nathan, Don, Queso, Nick, Kudla. 
Uh, Danica, Will, Aaron, John, Josh, and Sophia. Thank you all for supporting us. If anyone is upset that I didn't read your full name, um, oh boy, please re uh, reassess your life choices and what makes you upset. Uh, but no, just uh, just hit me up and I will give you the proper credit if you if you would like it. Um, uh, all that being said, uh, I I think that's my whole spiel, isn't it? Did yeah. I did I do the whole spiel? I think you did. Um, Oh, okay, so yeah, all that being said, Season 9, Episode 14, The Strong Box, original air date, February 5th, 1998. I was five years, one month, and 16 days old, and Tim, if you count this episode and every other episode we've got left, we have nine oh. episodes until we become a... Um, how, about we, how about just a New Yorker cartoon episode where <laughs> we, oh, no. we go through each new issue of The New Yorker and we critique and explain all of the jokes in the cartoons so that you know so that if you don't have time to read the new yorker cartoons you can listen to this like on your commute or whatever and and you'll you know it's, it's like reading the actual cartoon but we'll just explain like oh here's there's a couple of animals and they're saying this or there's a man talking to his wife and he's saying that um, and we'll explain <laughs> the joke in great detail and then we'll try to punch it up too honestly i'm surprised something like that doesn't exist already because <laughs> yeah. the new yorker cartoons are not for uh for the the faint of intellect. Yeah, yeah, they're unabashedly sophisticated. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um. Okay. Uh. But before I get into the description, I I want to take a, a second to mention we we are ending the run of Seinfeld episodes in nine episodes. Oh, I know we we've had like a, a lot of fun with like this. Uh, in mm-hmm. X amount of episodes, we become a blah 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 something. But I. Uh, the Seinfeld episodes will not continue after nine episodes, but I, I want to put this out and just make this like very, very clear. The show will be changing, but you don't need to do anything. We're just going to move on to a different topic. It's going to be the same. No hugging, no learning. It's going to be the same Tim. It's going to be the same Ted. We're just going to be talking about something different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Same feed too. That's yeah. Important. Same feed. You don't need to unsubscribe. You don't need to resubscribe or subscribe to anything new. It's just going to, change you're gonna see the the artwork change um but the name won't even change you know it's just gonna be us talking about a different show totally oh man okay so if you're looking at tv guy the night of february 5th 1998 you are gonna see george dates two women at once period Mm -hmm. elaine dates a poor man period jerry fails to recognize a man who lives next door period (sighs) kramer buys a stronghold for his valuables period oh i like the way that kind of you don't use a word to define itself they use they Felt like they couldn't actually say strong box in the description for strong box, so they said stronghold. <laughs> oh, we can't say strong box. People aren't gonna know what that is. We have to use a different word. Strong I didn't even know what a strong box was. <laughs> I've always known it as like a firebox or yeah. a lockbox. Right. Lockbox is good. I mean, they could have even probably said safe in a way. I mean, I know you think safe and yeah. you think combination but i don't think that's necessarily a requirement in a safe i don't know but it's just yeah i think we'll be able to make it better but we'll see when we get to the end uh we start with the cold open and we get right into the story because george tries breaking up with mora and she says no we're we're not breaking up and he goes (laughs) all right (laughs) so and i gotta say i mean it's rare that i get my first huge laugh in the cold open but it happened right here. I mean, that, it was hilariously yeah, played. Yeah, and we th- we get this as like a run throughout the episode too. Of uh, of George <laughs> yes. has a really great like defeated sigh 
when he just goes, <sighs> all right. All right. <laughs> and and, sit, and sit, sits back down. You yeah. know, it's perfect. It is one of my favorite runners. Uh, so at Monk's, George is explaining what happened with Mora. And Jerry's like, what'd you do? He's like, well, we fooled around and went to a movie. Uh, we're still together. And Jerry's like, you know, both parties don't have to consent to a breakup. It's not like a missile launch where you both have to turn your keys. And Jerry's like, did you lay out your case? He's like, what's, you know, why are you breaking up? And George lays out all of his reasons. I I don't like her and I'm not attracted to her, stuff like that. Um, And when he gets to, and you know what, in bed, and Jerry goes, I'm sorry, we're out of time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And one of the things he hates about her is that she talks to her food like, ooh, Mr. Pease, why are you so good? Or something like that. (laughs) 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 Meanwhile, in Jerry's life, he bought the cufflinks that Jerry Lewis wore in Cinderfella at an auction. And it's going to be a great conversation starter at this Friars Club roast that he's going to. But George is like, you already have a great conversation starter. You have the same first name, Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) I died at him, like having to explain what that name was. Yeah, yeah. He took Jerry's... He took Jerry thinking he's stupid as not understanding the genius of this. Like, uh, I guess I have to explain everything. Your name is Jerry and his name is Jerry. <laughs> Jerry! <laughs> um, so George is like, Jerry's like, that sucks as a conversation started. And George's like, well, it worked when I met George Papard last week. And he's like, George Papard's been dead for years. And he's like, well, whoever this guy was, he knew a lot about the A-team or something like that. <laughs> was George Papard the white-haired guy on the A-team? I don't think we need to do a deep dive on George Papard, but now I'm curious. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, that looks like him. He was, yeah, he was Hannibal on the A-team. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say the leader, the guy who always had a big stogie in his mouth uh, on uh, the A-team. okay. Yeah. Um, so that's, and I'm glad they put that in because I would not have known who George Papard was myself. But thankfully, they, they're finally filling in the references, like these old-ass references for us. I mean, I guess the A-team wasn't completely old-ass, but the star had been dead for years by the time this aired. So, yeah, that, that helped. <laughs> that helped this joke air a little bit better. He knew a lot about the A-team. At, the, at a coffee shop out on the street, uh, Elaine and a guy are hitting it off, and he's being very mysterious, you know, not telling her where he works or, or anything like that. And he won't even give her his number. She has to give him her number. And in the apartment after that, Elaine is explaining to Jerry that he's like, well, what happened to Putty? And she's like, well, we haven't talked in about three weeks. Um, so she's assuming it's off, which is kind of the opposite of George's situation. Like they both kind of ghosted each other and they're like, all right, this, this is over. You know, <laughs> it's like, let's just not talk for a while. <laughs> and she's wondering why this guy's being so mysterious. She's like, what if he's in a relationship? You know, and that's why he's being so cagey. But Jerry suspects he might actually be a crime fighter protecting his secret identity, which wouldn't make much sense because... That would mean that Elaine met him when he is in superhero form, which he was not, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. If you meet someone's secret identity, they can tell you, oh, I'm Clark Kent. But if you meet <laughs> Superman, all he can say is, you know, I'm Superman. No, you can't call me. <laughs> um, so it that really, I know it was like feeding into Jerry's whole comic book kid sort of uh, character trait, but it, it really, um, I don't know. I overanalyzed it, I guess. Um, so Kramer comes in and there's been another robbery in the building. So he bought the titular strong box for his irreplaceables, which includes some taxidermy that's been in his family for a long time. His Tony, which I'm guessing is still broken by, by Raquel Welch, a broken Tony and his military discharge. Yeah. What the hell? I know. This is like, this is the first time in a long time we've learned something about Kramer. Yeah. And, and I know this is coming out 
a week later than we're recording it, but this is as close to Veterans Day as we can get, really, you know, for recording oh an episode. God, yeah. So perfect. <laughs> oh, man. That just made me think. I, I mean, it's probably pretty pretty tasteless to throw up a happy Veterans Day post with a photo of Kramer, <laughs> Kramer. right? <laughs> I don't think so. No, because I did. I did. See, I, I actually can't believe they missed it, but I did see a Veterans Day post with Elaine's dad, who, you know, was in Korea. Uh, he uh-huh. mentions in that episode he fought in Korea and um oh yeah the guy, um the, f- the fatigues the guy. fatigues guy yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no I don't think so and I think only like I, I had forgotten about this so I think you have to be a diehard fan to remember that Kramer was in the military um I didn't even see anything in the comments I don't think uh it might have been below all of the quotes because you know that that's why I go in I just want to see all the quotes really but it is the <sighs> it's the lowest form of comment section you know it's like yeah oh my god we had a funny oh, guy mean, in korea that made me think um i was gonna bring this up at the top of the show but whenever i was looking at our podcast reviews i i didn't there's one that i have yet to read i'll save it for next week now yeah. but i saw that there's a new uh watch through the series podcast with the stars of the show with always sunny it's got rob McElhaney, charlie day and glenn howerton damn all all talking about the episodes and I, I know, like, m- most people would be, like, totally into this. But, Tim, here's the description for the trailer mm-hmm. of this podcast. <laughs> and I, y- you, y- well, you couldn't pay me money to want to listen to this. And I love Always Sunny. <laughs> I love all these guys. I, I would never listen to the show. Here's the description. It says, get ready. The Always Sunny podcast is almost here. And there is no structure. So the guys just talk about the episodes for a while. And then it just sort of ends <laughs> well it might be still might be good I don't... <laughs> it's not a great tease but do they need it i mean that show is still in production right so they're still right? yeah they're going TV on their stars. 15th season yeah yeah especially Ugh. charlie day i'm like the fact that charlie's taking time to do it you know he's the one who's like in in, in a bunch <laughs> of movies and stuff you know which by the way i noticed because sarah and i finished it um we took a break from breaking bad uh, our podcast is called Break from Breaking Bad. No, I don't know. Um, and we started, we finally uh, binged all the way through the new season of AP Bio. But when I went on Peacock, I noticed that it was already on like episode seven or something. So, Ted, did you watch season four already? Oh, yeah. I watched wow. it like that first weekend. Damn. I watched it all that first weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was, of course, super hilarious. But this this the show has always been very uneven. Like, there's talk about no format. It's like... They took some weird experimental swings, and I'm like, are they serious, or is this a parody, or satire, or is it, I don't know, sometimes it's a weird show to figure out, as funny as it is, and especially that fourth season. Uh, I don't know if you agree. Yeah, I, um, I mean, season four wasn't my fave. Um, I enjoyed it, but I think I like season three the best so far. It's like their first, like experimental leap into peacock so they were just like throwing all of the shit at the wall yes and in fact uh, you reminded me that i want to again this holiday season revisit katie holmes day because that's (laughs) one of the best holiday episodes of any television show ever produced it is great it is great (laughs) um yeah so uh, another another dalliance uh for us so not only his military discharge uh, so that's it those those three things in there and I forget why. I, so I, I forget this exchange here, but Elaine says, oh, yeah, he's like, this is all my belongings or whatever. And she's like, literally. And Kramer's like, literally, that's a weird thing to say or something <laughs> like that. 
Yeah, he says, like, what does that mean? Yeah, what like, is that supposed it, to mean? It, it means what you just said. <laughs> uh, and he wants some privacy for hiding the key. He's going to hide it in Jerry's apartment. Because, uh, obviously, if you hid it in his own apartment, well, the, the robber could find it and, and open the strong box. Uh, and so he kicks Elaine and Jerry into the hallway. So he tells Jerry he has to go outside for privacy. He's like, you wouldn't last a week in the military. And Jerry goes, how long did you last? He's like, that's classified. <laughs> Uh, so in the hallway, Elaine and Jerry have a conversation. You know, Elaine says that she would date a married guy, which uh, Jerry finds hacky. And he's kind of disappointed in, in the character of Elaine for that. Uh, and Kramer. So back in the apartment, Jerry opens up his kitchen drawer and Kramer hit and finds the key immediately. And Kramer says he hid it under a spoon. But <laughs> but he's he's disappointed in Jerry for going looking for it is what he you know, what it seems like to Kramer. Uh, Superman is still on the shelf, by the way. In George's apartment, uh, which we got a newer exterior shot of his apartment, I noticed, or at least one that we don't see too often. Um, and he is laying out his case. He's got a leather-bound legal pad, and he's laying out all the reasons that he and Mora are breaking up. And Mora once again says no. And she says, a breakup is like turning a key in a submarine and launching a missile. <laughs> Both people have to turn their key. And then George, you know, yells at her to turn her key. And this has to be a reference to something, right? I, I don't know, actually. <laughs> yeah. It, it was delivered like a parody of some sort. So I'm going to write. My guess is uh, Hunt for Red October, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to write down Turn Your Key reference. And no, is this where we get another all right when she tells him to put something on and, and let's go to dinner? No, I don't think so. I think maybe it just cuts with Turn Your Key. I, I don't know, actually. No, no, it's it's later when she comes over. She's just she just shows up. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So out on the street, Elaine is walking with her new guy, and she he picks a flower for her like off of the wall, you know, off of this vine that's growing or out of out of a pot on the wall or something. And and Elaine, you know, feigns romance at first, and she's like, "Oh, great! How long do I have to hold this?" Uh, <laughs> and it's at that point this guy sees a woman approaching them on the street, and he cuts into an alley. And she's like, that's it. He's married. I'm chucking the flower. Uh, in Jerry's apartment, Elaine is shouting up to Jerry because his buzzer is broken. And she wants him to keep her company while she waits for someone to come out or go into the building. Um, it's at this point where I'm like, or Jerry could go down you know, and let her yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... He starts talking about like he had a. He's like, normally I can't eat a huge. So they're yelling up to each other. He's like, normally I can't eat a huge meal before I go to bed, but nothing. And she's like, nodding off, which I loved. And <laughs> she turned that around on him from last episode. And then she yells up to Jerry. Well, it turns out he is an adulterer. And it's at that point when she's uh, yelling up to him that a guy passes in front of Elaine and like obviously gives her a judgy look. And she's like, we haven't done anything yet. <laughs> um, and. Jerry wouldn't throw his key down to her because he was like, no, you'll check it out at the last minute. It'll bounce into the sewer. But she wants a snack. And so he throws a snack to her. And as he's walking away, she goes, it bounced into the sewer. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we see that it was, um, I thought it was a pack of gum yeah. at first, but it, it's it's something in a green wrapper. We, yes. we do see that. Yeah. It honestly looked, I don't know how long these have been around, but it looked like a nature's own bar. I don't know oh, if they go yeah, back that of. far, but um, yeah. So... He goes to see what's wrong with his intercom and finds 
Kramer's key jammed into the intercom, and Kramer <laughs> thinks, he's like, oh, you just had to go looking for it, didn't you? You're obsessed with me. Everything I do, you have to know everything. And Jerry's like, all right, I'm going to go get Elaine. He's like, well, what are you guys doing? <laughs> he locks Jerry out of his own apartment to hide the key once again, and Jerry can't believe that Elaine didn't tell off the I, I i wrote green i started referring to him as the green lantern here because that's what um yeah we don't know his yeah, name yet we do not know his name but he can't believe elaine didn't tell off the green lantern and she's so she's gonna date this presumably married guy uh, meanwhile back in the apartment george yells up and jerry go is gonna it, it's weird i would have been insulted if i'm a, if i'm elaine like okay hold up i was gonna stand out there in the cold and you're just gonna run right down and get george but so he's going to go down and get George, puts his jacket on, and finds the key in one of the pockets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so down in the foyer, George lets uh, Jerry lets George in, and George is eating a some sort of green snack bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and Jerry's like, where'd you find that? He's like, uh, I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> they won't let in this other guy that comes to the door, because Jerry's like, there's been a lot of robberies. I'm sorry. I don't know you. And he like locks him out, and, and they have to stand there waiting for the elevator while this guy just stares at him, knocking on the door. But George says he did break up with Mora. It's over. But up in George's apartment, Mora shows up, and she wasn't convinced by his argument. Uh, they were rambling and flimsy. And so this is where she says, so put on some clothes. Let's go get something to eat. And this is where we get another great... <sighs> All right. <laughs> and, and as George is walking back to the bedroom, we see Mora pick up the apple and she just goes, Ew, Mr. Apple, you have a big old brown spot. <laughs> yeah. Just awful. Just awful. Oh, so, so bad. So grating. So, Ted, do you know what's better than four separate new locations like we had last episode? <laughs> Three what? new locations in one shot. <laughs> like we get here of this street. We see Kim's Film Production and Production Supply Store, which is on the fourth floor of one of these buildings, uh, a store called Trash and Vaudeville, and St. Mark's Hotel. So wow. let me just unpack first St. Mark's Hotel, because this is kind of um like a famous, historic, like dumpy hotel. Like I think we've talked about, oh, like the YMCA that we were talking about, kind of, you know. So for instance, um, it, it is still open. The St. Mark's Hotel is still there at two St. Mark's Place. And St. Mark's Place was kind of, um, it's been probably gentrified now and uh, you know, much to the chagrin of the people who love that sort of gritty side of New York. But like even after Times Square had been cleaned up, St. Mark's Place was still pretty, you know, you didn't really want to walk through there um, mm -hmm. at, during certain times. So it's in the East Village. And a, a one, if you want one full-size bed at the St. Mark's Hotel, 100 bucks a night, boom. That's not bad at yeah. all. Two full beds is 120 and I don't know what the suite entails besides two full beds. Maybe you get a little couch or something in there that I, I don't want to think about what's happened on that couch, but it is in the suite. Uh, and that's <laughs> that's that's 140 a night. So even in their nicest room, you're paying like a third of what you're going to pay at a real hotel in New York City. Yeah, geez. Um, I don't know about the bathroom situation, though, because a lot of the, uh, some reading I did refers to this kind of a, as like a hostel. So normally that's your room and then the bathroom's in the hall. So I I, I couldn't tell, you know. Interestingly enough, the fact that they didn't say it makes me think the bathrooms are in room, but you never know. Uh, you never know. They do have free Wi-Fi, though. And this, so it used to be under a different name, the, the Vanguard or something like that. But the, the St. Mark's, I think, opened in 1960-ish, and they added six floors in 2014. So it has been redone, but you know, certainly probably even around this time or when the exterior shot was taken, it was like all just drugs and prostitutes, uh, the St. Mark's Hotel was. Uh, next door at uh, Trash and Vaudeville, 
which is number four St. Mark's Place. So the St. Mark's Hotel is number two. That's building four. Um, that was built, uh, the, the building was built in 1831 and purchased by Alexander Hamilton's son. What? Oh yeah. my God. The one he named Alexander Hamilton. So the other, the other <laughs> Alexander Hamilton. And Trash and Vaudeville is still open, although it moved in 2016 to, uh, I don't know, it moved in 2016 to somewhere else, still in the East Village, but it moved out of this location, which a lot of people were like, great, gentrification. And if they needed more argument for their case, uh, Trash and Vaudeville is now Imogene Salon uh, there. So <laughs> they, were, they were probably right. And there's a big bulk of that number four building that's for lease as well. Uh, next door is Kim's Film Production and Pro, uh, Production Supply Store. And that store, as well as Trash and Vaudeville, they both have their own Wikipedia pages. Interestingly enough, we were talking about Wikipedia page. Hmm. Um, Kim's is now closed. It was it was more it it didn't sound like it from the outside, but it was like a a record store and a film like so film and video retail and um, and music retail, but like really experimental stuff too. Like if you wanted something just way out there, you could go to Kim's and probably find it. And in fact, so they did have six locations. They're all now closed. By 2014, they were all closed, but they do have some notable employees. Let me see. Notable employees include Albert Hammond Jr., member of The Strokes, uh, Todd Phillips, the director and producer behind movies like Road Trip, Old School, Starsky and Hutch, and The Hangover. So he used to work didn't, at Kim's. Didn't he direct The Joker? Yes. Yeah. Todd Phillips okay. the Joker. Yeah. Bingo. I was going to say, I'm like, oh God. All right. Um, Chris Ryan, but not the Chris Ryan we know. Uh, <laughs> it's just Excuse weird. you. Yeah. Excuse you. Ryan Anderson. That's right. I from, forgot. From uh, FM 100. <laughs> um, Think of the station name for a second. This Chris Ryan is the editorial director of The Ringer. Um, this guy's name rings a bell. I don't know why. Okay. never mind. Um, but here's another, uh, someone else who worked there, Andrew W.K., no way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's kind of cool. I know. I know. Um, and also, so Trash and Vaudeville, uh, that store, it's like a clothing store. And they're really responsible for the way everybody dressed when punk rock started becoming big. Um, because they were the first to stock the British boot Doc Martens in the United States. And, oh, no way. Yeah. And also, um, they came up with the skinny black jean, which, you know, the Ramones and everybody wore and, and uh, the Clash and stuff like that. So... Um, yeah, so Debbie Harry used to shop there, Bruce Springsteen, and so back in the yeah seventies and eighties, it was like the place to to clothe yourself. Yeah, so uh, spiky accessories, studded belts, like motorcycle jackets, like all of that was stocked at, at Trash and Vaudeville. Um, and Kim's, so Trash and Vaudeville, we know is now Imogene, and Kim's is now Barcade, which is pretty cool. It is a sign of gentrification, I think, if you have a Barcade, but. Nothing beats a barcade in my eyes. I mean, I love beer and I love video games. So, especially old video games. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be so upset if I was in the East Village and a barcade opened. So, what? The, the, so this whole building <laughs> is actually uh, the Green Lantern's love nest, as Elaine calls. And he's like, oh, it's just a place, you know, just a little place I keep. So, again, like, being very coy and cagey about all this. But um, it, it, it's a dump. I mean, the the... He, he goes out to like find some cardboard to burn uh, because his, the heat doesn't work and just the there's like broken windows and the couch is like a piece of crap. Um, and then there's a knock on the door and it's the woman from the street 
And she shows up, and Elaine's like, oh, you know, sorry. She's like, well, first of all, we get his name. Is Glenn here? And she stammers out an excuse because she thinks it's his wife. But she's like, what? No, I'm his welfare caseworker. He's poor. (laughs) So that's the big mystery. Uh, In the elevator in Jerry's building, he walks in, and so does the guy who he locked out. He gets in the elevator with him. And this is kind of a fun little scene, too, because he's like, so you do live in this building. He's like, yep. (laughs) And then they get out on the same floor. And I think this is where we get, and you live on this floor. He's like, yep. And and then he's opening the door next to Kramer's. He's Kramer's next door neighbor. Uh, so just. Yeah. Just... Oh my God. He literally lives caddy <laughs> corner from Jerry. Yeah. And so he's like, that's your apartment. He's like, yup. And then he walks in and slams the door. By the way, I wanted to call this guy bald Manuel Miranda. Is that. Oh my God. <laughs> Before we got his name. You know, I think, I don't think I have to explain that to the listener. Hey you, do you want more No Hugging No Learning? Subscribe to our Patreon today for our full archive of exclusive bullshit movie reviews and content that gets cut from our weekly episodes, for various reasons. Join the It's a Hyundai tier for just five bucks a month and get access to everything. Click the link in the description or just go to patreon.com slash no hugging and sign up today. I wonder if I can do this like a monster truck show announcer. Patreon.com slash no hugging. Patreon.com slash no hugging. Patreon.com slash no hugging. So over at Monk's, Elaine is explaining to Jerry that, you know, he's poor, but she feels bad about ending the relationship over money. And she wonders if, you know, Jerry's like, maybe you can pay him off. Like, what does that say? Holy crap. Like, trash peer? (laughs) Does that mean? Oh, 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 oh. Like the trash peer. Well, you don't normally see the word peer as somebody who is peeing, you know, like interviewer or speaker. Oh, yeah. Peer. I was like, (laughs) it looks, yeah, peer. How did (laughs) Did you spell it P-E-E-R? You bet I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why. So she was like she was like, what he was like, what are your experiences with the homeless? She was like, Well, there was a homeless guy peeing on our trash and we paid him to go down the street. And he's like, Well, same thing probably work here. Uh, and she's like, she feels bad doing that, but she, but she still wants to know how much do you think would be appropriate? Um <laughs> one thing I thought was weird about this is Elaine's wearing a cross necklace, which I know we're big in the nineties, but just a weird thing to see on uh such an a religious show you know or character even um, yeah for real <laughs> uh, george walks in from seeing mora and they start riffing uh, george and jerry start their own machine gun riff on elaine about this uh, poor guy calling him the got no green lantern george comes up with lois lone <laughs> this this was so good uh, jerry had like a few like right yeah. back to back I'm lost in my notes. Let me find him because I wrote him down. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. He says uh, his superpower was no money. <laughs> Turns out he was invulnerable to creditors. <laughs> yeah. And then he says he's the got no green lantern, which was a great third one. We were talking about the rule of threes. I mean, that that was killer. And then, yeah. And then George says Lois loan. And <laughs> Elaine's like, well crafted or something like that. And I know she she's being like sarcastic. Yeah. That was well crafted. That I know. was really good. Jerry's been thinking about this for like twenty four hours, or maybe not. <laughs> well, no, because she just told him there. So uh, Jerry, you know, Jerry had a, a few more minutes to think. So, but yeah, for George, that is a feat to come up with something like Lois Loan. Uh, I'd be proud of myself too. Um, and and later we learn that he should be. Uh, but George, you know, is like, well, may- wait a second. Maybe I can cheat to break up with Mora, but he actually has to do it. Um, he's like, she's like a district attorney. If I don't actually go through with it, uh, it won't matter. So Jer- Jerry's like, do you have anybody in mind? He's like, well, there's this secretary at uh, work that always had a crush on me. And but he never made a move because she's always too tan. 
She's always just way too tan. Where is George working now? Is he still at Kruger? Yes. Yeah, still at Kruger. Okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah. We, we haven't seen Kruger in a while. I didn't know yeah. if, if he was still there or not. I had to think for a second, but yeah, that's right. Um, and Elaine comes in because she left something at the table, and, and I think it's Jerry who gets one last zinger on her, but I forget what it is. <laughs> uh, she's like, you know what? Keep it. And she runs out. Up in Jerry's apartment, Kramer is letting Phil's parrot stretch his wings in the hall. <laughs> and I love how they didn't even get a parrot. Just like the dog. They didn't even get a parrot for this episode. <laughs> we never see the dog, Farfel, and we never see the parrot, we- which is hilarious. And they, they just went so far out of what a parrot actually sounds like. <laughs> they got something that sounds like a dinosaur, yeah. just for for the sheer exaggeration of it. <laughs> yeah. So Phil is the guy's name. Phil is Kramer's neighbor uh, that Jerry would not let into the building. And Kramer is letting the, the parrot hang out in the hallway because he's trying to smooth things over between Jerry and Phil. Meanwhile, Kramer hid the key at Phil's without telling him. So Phil's not going to go looking for it now like Jerry couldn't help himself but go look for it. <laughs> and he's not even going to know it's there. So uh, so Kramer leaves Jerry's and is attacked in the hall. Did you notice the door magically close? In this sequence? No, I didn't. So Kramer gets, we hear him get attacked in the hallway and run back in. And when he slams the door, it doesn't close all the way. But someone grabs it from the other side and pulls it shut. Oh, yeah, yeah. God. Like he tries Did, slamming he, the door and it doesn't latch. Is there a visible hand? I, I didn't notice, but it does. Oh, it would be so great if there was. Yeah, it might have been, you know, from the left side of the door if you're looking at it rather than the right side and that's why you don't see a hand but yeah just mm-hmm. it closes magically <laughs> either that or he kicked it or something but it doesn't close naturally i'll say that <laughs> up at george's place he walks in with the super tan secretary uh who by the way this is a famous actress i'm gonna have to write this down did you recognize her i didn't recognize her and there is actress. an actress in the episode that i did recognize but we'll get to it later oh okay yeah this one i i know she's been in something before so we'll just have to put that down for next week and he's george is flummoxed by the existence of tanning salons because <laughs> he, he asked her like you know it's like you didn't go anywhere this summer and she's like well i went to maine for a little bit and i mean George, I mean, the, there's there's tanning beds. And people who tan in tanning beds, like, it may be different now, but certainly back in the 90s, I don't, you know, they didn't want to... They were everywhere. Yeah, yeah, they were everywhere, but also, like, you're not supposed to talk about it. Like, if they fake tan, like, you know, it was, like, somehow had this stigma around it still. So I guess he just forgot those existed. But he, she's like, oh, I fantasize about jumping into bed with you. And he's like, yes! And she's like, but I don't want to spoil something that we might have. And so I think it's best if we... Uh, we wait and she's like and I won't take no for an answer and he's like no it's like nope he's like all right (laughs) (laughs) Uh, in an alley somewhere uh, Glenn is surprising Elaine with garbage donuts they throw out the the donuts when the new (laughs) ones are baked or come in and she sees that and, and just starts writing a check to him for she's like 200 250 i'll make it, it 300 the amount just the amount just keeps going up like yeah. as soon as he bites into the bear claw she's like <laughs> how about 300 yeah every time I he says something i love the line though i i loved the line elaine you're the bear claw in the garbage bag of my life <laughs> yeah yeah it was almost too self-aware for a guy who is one step from homelessness you know it's like <laughs> Um, he's like, look, my, my, my life is trash, but you are, 
you're the bear claw in that in that <laughs> trash bag of life. And, and she she walks off with him yeah, in that yeah. instance. She so is, it, it it works. They throw a bunch of like mop water or something that splashes <laughs> on them while they're kissing, which I thought was a hilarious. Uh, tag on the scene as well <laughs> um, they're like kissing by a dumpster in the the mop water yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah she's enamored again and jerry knocks on phil's door and tells him that uh this this woman answers in like a kerchief and and she's like obviously you know cleaning he's like you know the bird your bird made a mess on my door so uh you know i was hoping maybe you could clean it up or your maid and phil's like that's my wife uh. <laughs> and uh, jerry's like i think we're done here <laughs> in Jerry's apartment, George is not doing well. Nothing's going well with his plan. He's got two women now, one that won't have sex with him and one he can't break up with. Uh, and Jerry can't find his cufflinks now. Uh, he's, it looks like he's got in a tux. He's getting ready to go to the Friars Club roast and he can't find his cufflinks. And George once again is like, remember, you don't need them. You have the same name. Jerry, he explains it again, <laughs> which is so great. <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> And George has to go on two dates, uh, going to a table read for something for Godspell for one and, and going figure skating in another. And, and Jerry's like, which one's which? He's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Kramer uh, put the put the strong box. Oh, he put uh, Jerry's cufflinks in his strong box because it's so funny. He's like, I knew you'd lose them. So I took them from your dresser drawer and put them in my strong box. <laughs> like, that was such an unappreciated line. I feel like, cause it's like, no, he wasn't going to lose them. They were going to be right there. Uh, so he put them in, uh, Phil's parrot food. Oh no, that we don't know that yet that he's like, we'll go get Phil's when they go out in the hallway. Phil's parrot Fredo is dead. And Jerry's like, Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. He's like, yeah, I bet you are. They say he was poisoned. The doctor said he was poisoned. And so obviously he suspects Jerry. And Kramer is about to knock on the door. He's like, wow, that's a that's weird. Uh, you know, I, I hid the key in the parrot's food. So that's a weird coincidence. And so now Jerry's like, you idiot. That's what killed the You killed Fredo. And they think that I did it. So we can't go in and tell them that. <laughs> I, I loved Kramer's comeback, too, because Kramer just says, well, Fredo was weak and stupid. <laughs> he should have known not to eat the key. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now they... There's only one thing to do, and that's uh, essentially get it out of the bird. Over at Monk's, George is there with the super tan woman, and Mora shows up, invited by George to get food there. But George, of course, starts <laughs> freaking, you know, starts his uh, his monologue about being caught in a web of my own lies. Doesn't he say something like, my my long-term ra- relationship just caught me with my torrid love affair. I've destroyed three lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, well, if you never want to see me again, I completely understand. And we were like, Mora, and we find out her name is Loretta. They're like introducing, like, I'm Mora. Hi, Loretta. Hi. Um, and so Mora sits down next to Loretta, and she's like, no, George, what we have is too strong. I, want, I think we can work through this. And, and Loretta's like, yeah, me too. And he's uh. like, all right. <laughs> Over at Glenn's apartment, Elaine has bought him like a sofa and a stereo and even a cord of wood so he doesn't have to like burn the couch uh, to, to, you know, for heat. And in walks Glenn's wife. So he's poor and married. And Elaine says, you know, uh, the woman's like, who are you? And she's like, I guess I'm Lois Lone. Uh, yeah, taking credit for George's joke that she, you know, crapped on initially. Over at the pet cemetery, Jerry and Kramer show up there to dig up Fredo, 
And Jerry's like, well, I'm not digging. You did this. And he's like, well, if you Kramer's like, if you don't dig, you're the one. You'll have to get the key out of him. So Jerry's like, all right. And so Kramer goes to look for Lassie number three, who he hears is buried in this cemetery. Uh, and Jerry is caught by Phil and his wife digging up, not only digging up the grave, but saying, Kramer, I got it. Now let's cut this bird open. <laughs> uh, and he's caught by Phil, and who was visiting the grave one last time uh, up in Jerry's apartment. So that's um, kind of the end of the episode. We do get the epilogue up in Jerry's apartment. George is considering paying each of them $55 to end the relationship, <laughs> to get out of it in the way that Elaine was going to. And Elaine's like, hey, you give me 40, you'll never hear from me again. Uh, solid burn to George. And George goes over to the strong box and is like, hey, what's in the cooler? And just flips it open. So it was not even locked this whole episode. And <laughs> all Kramer can say is, wow, well, that's one for the books. And then we get an audio stinger of him continuing that sentence going, really one for the books. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, and that's the end of the episode. Uh, all right. What do we got for homework this week? Uh, turn your key. Is that a reference to anything? And who played the tan woman? Who's that tan actress? Okay. Um, oh, yeah. I yeah, totally yeah. forgot. We we, um, we jumped over this real quick. Uh, what's his name? Glenn's caseworker yeah. is the actress that I recognized. This I don't know her name. But this is uh, Freddie's mom from iCarly. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Deep pull. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I thought I recognized her from, from some stuff, too, but it might just be this episode, you know. Oh, man. Um, I, she's got a very, very recognizable face. Yes. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I don't know what her name is. Um, all right. What do you like for cover art this week? Good question. Man, I don't know. What are you thinking? Maybe something with George from his storyline? Um, I noticed there was a really uh, interesting visual with Jerry shouting in the graveyard as he's digging up Fredo. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, it was just like a wide shot, and I think you can see Phil and Mrs. Phil uh, walking up, but I'm not certain. Yeah. And so that would be good. And, and towards the end of the episode, when George is counting the money on the table, he's sitting next to Elaine. You might even be able to see Jerry and Kramer in that shot as well. That might be a good. Oh, yeah. yeah. All, I'll try for that. The whole yeah. gang. <laughs> George counting out his, his $55 each $55 to give to each. each of his partners. Uh, <laughs> all right. So let's see what we can do about this week's description. So we had George dates two women at once, period. Elaine dates a poor man, period. Jerry fails to recognize a man who lives next door, period. Kramer buys a stronghold for his valuables, <laughs> period. Uh, it's, it's so complicated. Like, But I feel like we can put George and Elaine, maybe we can marry their storylines, even though they don't cross. Yeah, um, I, I think we can definitely say George and Elaine enter new relationships. Yeah, but is that you know good enough of a tease? You know, because they do that every episode, pretty mm. much, or somebody does. Yeah, that's true. So, they they are both sort of. George is trying to leave, but Elaine doesn't know if she should stay. I mean, there may be a, a similarity there. George and Elaine enter three relationships. <laughs> it may be George dates two. See, that's interesting. Like George dates two women is just. I want to see if I can see it in front of me because it's like such a complicated one. Strong you need the visual. Of yeah, it. yeah. Cherry. Well, here's the interesting one from IMDb. Maybe we can just steal this. George's new girlfriend refuses to break up with him. No, I think that's worse. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. 
No, it, it won't give me the... Is that the IMDB one? Let me look at the Google one and see what yeah. that one is. Jerry doesn't help out a neighbor. Elaine's new boyfriend is poor. Kramer, yeah, they just give everything away. Um, uh, okay, here's the Google one. Okay. As Kramer hides the keys for his new strongbox in Jerry's apartment, George and Elaine each look for ways out of their respective romantic relationships. Yeah, I mean, that... Elaine doesn't know... Like, when he's married, Elaine's gonna... Elaine's gonna still date him. Yeah, she doesn't know she wants a way out until much later and also it makes me hate elaine dates a poor man because she doesn't know he's a poor man yeah it may just if it's maybe just elaine's elaine has a mysterious new boyfriend or elaine's new boyfriend is mysterious or something like that so we may not be able to marry it to george's storyline but i mean george dates two women is pretty short already george dates two women elaine's elaine has a mysterious new boyfriend or elaine's new boyfriend is mysterious can we marry Jerry and Kramer somehow? What uh, What are theirs? Jerry fails to recognize a man who lives next door, mm. and Kramer buys a stronghold for his valuables. Um, I like. I'm gonna, honestly, I, IMDb's was something like Jerry doesn't help out a neighbor. Jerry refuses to help a neighbor. Something like that. Okay. Yeah, I don't mind that. And uh, Kramer beefs up security. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. This is a tough one, just because I it, mean they're all such separate storylines. It is difficult. Yeah. Well, maybe we can get rid of Jerry doesn't help a neighbor and just say, Kramer. can we? Can we just drop Jerry from it? Are we allowed to do that? Yeah, I think we can. We we've dropped everyone else at different times. I think we can drop Jerry. Yeah. So okay, but maybe we can include it like Kramer. Kramer enhances his security, his and Jerry's security, something like that. Cause he I like does that. Try to, he he yeah. does. He does take Jerry's stuff. Yeah. He does take Jerry's security into consideration. Yeah. What if we? Um. What if? Okay. Oh, I got it. I got it. So Jerry and Kramer enhance building security. There it is. Oh my god. There it is. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Perfect. If I do say so myself. All right. What do we got then? George dates two women at once. Elaine's new boyfriend is mysterious. Jerry and Kramer enhance building security. Yeah. Nice. Perfect. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. What would you think of this episode? You know, I got a lot of great laughs out of it. Um, so I started. I, but I, I can't tell if it's just a great baseline episode or or what. But I'm starring a lot of episodes here in the second half of of, uh, of the last season, yeah. I, I realize. But because I started the last one, too. I was like, that one's good. I'm just like solidly laughing through a ton of these. So, um, yeah, I really liked it. You know, like I said, I got my first huge laugh like 30 seconds in, which almost never happens. And um, and all, all throughout, it's pretty funny. Yeah. See, I I enjoyed it. I didn't star it. Yeah. Because we had so many episodes at the beginning of season nine that I uh, was just like, oh my god! If it keeps up at this level, <laughs> I'm gonna star the entire season. And it, to me, it hasn't. Uh, season nine came out swinging. Yeah, I don't remember what I if I starred. I remember being like pleased with the beginning of season nine, but there's a lot that I skipped over. I remember going like, yeah, it's good. Like the blood, I I, I did star, and it says low underneath. I was like, that's ah, okay, but I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to hold off, you know. <laughs> would you put this one over the blood? I think I would, but I also I'm also writing low under it as well because uh-huh. yeah. Um, if I if I were to give it a star, I it would also be very low on my list. Yeah. So I'm just 
going to opt to not yeah. do that. Why muddy the water? <laughs> You're right. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have either, but but I got to. Yeah, no, it, yeah. it's your list. Yeah, you do you. You do your own thing. It's your shitty list. <laughs> yeah, it's, hey, it's your wrong list. <laughs> You're incorrect. You have all the right in the world to be incorrect. It's it's your <laughs> dumb opinions. Uh, all right. So next week we've got season nine, episode fifteen, The Wizard. Original air date February twenty sixth, nineteen ninety eight. Mm. Three weeks after this episode was nineteen ninety eight a Winter Olympics year. Um. Good. I think yeah, it I might think it have was, been. 96 was a summer, right? So, yeah, 98, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and summer was also in 2000. Yeah. yeah, so it must have been 98. We're, we're skipping over the Olympics. No Olympics. How many times have we wondered, like, oh, was this an Olympic break? And it just turns out, oh, no, they just took three weeks off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, no, we're actually skipping over the Olympics now. I wouldn't have been surprised if NBC was like, okay, we're going to – if you if this is the last <laughs> season, we are stretching – there's three weeks between every episode, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we need to build. Yes. We need we need new promos every week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so, yeah. Uh, air date, uh, February 26th, 1998. If you're looking at TV Guy that night, you are going to see Kramer, quote-unquote, retires in Florida, <laughs> period. Jerry buys Morty a gadget, period. George lies about a house in the Hamptons, period. Elaine wonders if her boyfriend is black. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (sighs) This will be a really interesting one for our specific format. Oh, God. (laughs) But also, it is a great one. We get so much, There's, you know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying it's not a great one because of that last storyline. Uh, anyway, I think it's going to hold up. But that's that's me as a lifelong fan for years. It'll be interesting what uh, what the new what the newbie Ted thinks of it. Um, but I think a lot all the storylines sound pretty good. So, all right, uh, is that it? I think that's it. All right, for no hugging, no learning. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hallowell. Be good. Be good.